It has been said that people join an organization because of great vision, but they leave because of poor leadership. Today on the Champion Forum podcast, I sit down with Clint Pulver to discuss how great leaders create organizations their people never want to leave. This is the Champion Forum podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Clint Pulver is an Emmy award-winning keynote speaker and author, professional drummer, but most importantly, a loving father to his two beautiful daughters. A former private pilot turned generational workforce expert, Clint has dedicated his professional career as the undercover millennial, uncovering the secrets to what leaders are doing right. Clint, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be on the show. This is, this is, this is fun for me. Man, I got to tell you, uh, we, we talked a little bit before we hit record, but I, I am so excited to have you on the show. I have been following your work for almost two years now. I was introduced to you in a seminar uh, where the speaker uh, played a clip of you playing the drums, and he ended this clip with one of your most famous quotes, which is, you don't have to be the best in the world, but you should be the best for the world. And I know we got a lot to cover today, but I would love to know where did that quote come from and how would you explain that quote uh, to our listener? I think the biggest thing is the difference between success and significance. I think in, in business, it's easy to focus on the success, right? There's a, there's a sense of you know, scalability that, that strokes our ego and that we have this, this drive to grow something and to make it successful. Mm-hmm. But it is the significant things in our lives that we remember the most. Isn't it true? It's the moments. It's the, it's the little things that, you know, the mentors, the people that got to the part about you, those, those significant times that, that really, that's what we treasure. We don't remember days. We remember moments. It's true. And, uh, yeah. So that, that's where it all stemmed from is you know, my belief in that. You know, when I saw that quote, how, how I perceived it too, and it stuck with me and I've used it many times. You know, when I think of the difference between being the best in the world and being the best for the world, that takes on a servant's heart, you know, a servant leader's heart, meaning I don't have to be the best, but I want to be the best for somebody. I don't have to be the best for everybody. And I don't have to be number one, but I want to just reach people. And uh, your story is absolutely amazing. I'm looking forward to unpacking that a little bit. But I I will say this too, looking at your bio, there was something that I learned that I did not know. I knew knew about uh, the teacher that impacted your life. I knew about your keynote ability, of course, your ability to drum like you do. But here's what I didn't know. I did not know that you were an Emmy Award winner. And uh, I got to tell you, congratulations. I think you're the very first Emmy Award winner to make it to the Champion Forum podcast. So how do you go about getting an Emmy Award? Uh, they're, uh, crazy. They're, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel, Jeff. That's what they're doing. They'll give an Emmy, they'll give an Emmy to anybody these days. <laughs> now, that was for keynote speaking, though, correct? Uh, it, was, it was for actually directing and storytelling. Uh, wow. So I, I directed and produced that Mr. Jensen film about the teacher that changed my life as a kid. 
Man. And the Academy found out about it and saw it. And then it aired on a television network. And I, I remember when I got nominated, <laughs> the Academy calls me out of the blue. I, I have no idea how they got my information. And they said, hey, just so you know, we've nominated you to receive an Emmy. Wow. <laughs> it's like, wait, do you have the right number? Like, wait, me? Like, they, they said, yeah, everything you like, blah, blah, blah. It went through the whole process. And we were supposed to do like the Emmy award show. Right. But because of COVID, it was all done virtually. And so I'm just, I'm just sitting there watching this award show and they bring up the teen category and then the nominees are, and I was one of the nominees. And then they said, then the winner is Clint Pulver. And I just oh, sat there and I was like, did this really just happen? And my, my, my wife is like, what? <laughs> like you really? Oh my gosh. And yeah, it, it's been a fun little experience. I, I, I uh, yeah, very, very humbled, very honored. And uh, yeah, it was a very special moment. Man, that just goes to show you to uh, follow your passion and put it out in the world. And you just <laughs> never know what type of impact that it's going to have. So congratulations. That's, uh, that's really exciting news. Now, I, I will say uh, I've been following your work uh, specifically around leadership and around cultures. Uh, this is a hot topic for me right now, Clint, and the timing of you being on the show and the timing of your book could not be better for my listeners uh, because those that listen to me, those that are in my executive uh, masterminds, my leadership development groups, the ones that I coach, I'm telling them, I'm, I'm talking about three major trends that I'm anticipating in 2021, one of those being high turnover. Yes. Um, I think it's going to be a big time high turnover year, all the more why we've got to be doing things perfectly. You know, with remote work being how it is, people are moving uh, and relocating like never before. And yes. so even if you're doing things perfect, I think you're going to fall victim to turnover, which all the more reason why uh, we have to be endearing and engaging our people. And you put a tremendous amount of work and research into this topic of engagement and retention. And I really wanted to take some time and dive into that. Uh, you've been doing all of this research around employee loyalty, as well as what causes employees to uh, want to leave and, and run for the door. And, and you, we're calling it the undercover uh, millennial. That's you, like you're going incognito here. Tell us a little bit about the undercover millennial program and, and how your new book, I Love It Here, came about. What was the emphasis of this? Yeah, so five years ago, I was a part of a mastermind group with other CEOs and executives, and we were in New York City meeting with other business leaders and C-suite executives on how they've scaled a business, how they've grown, how they've adapted. And one of the gentlemen that we met with owned a large sporting good retail uh, store in Manhattan. Beautiful store. We're sitting there, we're talking to him about his business and how he's had to change over time, right? The way you do business 20 years ago versus how you do business today is just night and day different. Mm -hmm. And he had this thick New York accent and I'll never forget. He said, you got to adapt or you're going to die. If you don't adapt, you're going to die. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wow, very profound. And I agreed. I totally agreed with him on that. You've got to adapt in business. But then I asked him, I said, so what about your management style? You feel the need to adapt how you do business strategy. What about people skills, human skills? And he said, nope. Mm -mm. The way I managed 20 years ago is the same way I manage today. And we get results. Uh-oh. And I was like, okay, I mean, it was a little bit of a red flag for me. 
you know, there, there was no need to adapt with people, but need to adapt because the market adapts. Yeah. And I'm in the store and I look around and all of his employees are my age or younger. Hmm. And uh, millennials, Gen Z, right out of high school, college age students. And I just thought to myself, I said, I wonder, I wonder if they would say the same thing. Hmm. And so I thank the guy for his time. I had 35 minutes until we needed to be to the next place. So I had nothing else better to do. So I walked up to the first employee that I saw and I just said, hey, I'm just curious. Uh, what's it like to work here? Hmm. And I, mind you, I didn't look, I like that I had a backwards hat on. I just, normal clothes. I was a customer. Yeah. And the employee looks around. He gets really quiet. I feel like we're doing an illegal drug exchange. <laughs> and he says, do you really want to know? And I said, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious. He said, I cannot stand it here. Hmm. He's like, dude, it's just a job, man. Like we're all cogs in a wheel here. All of yeah. us. He's like, I, I don't even think my manager knows I'm here right now. Wow. And I said, well, then why are you still working here? And he said, oh, I've already applied to three other places. Wow. As soon as I get the offer, I'm out. Wow. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe the kids had a bad day, right? Or he, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. So I went and asked another employee and another and another and another. And at the end of the 35 minutes, I interviewed six of his staff. And out of those conversations in that 35 minutes, five out of the six of his employees said they would not be working for this guy and his company in less than three and a half months. Wow. That was a moment, Jeff. And I realized that the reality of the employee experience versus the perception of leadership could not be more different. Night yeah. and day different. I mean, it was just, and I think that unfortunately, a lot of managers have no idea that they're doing poorly yeah. because there's no incentive for an employee to speak their truth. I don't want right. to get blacklisted. I don't want to be the dramatic one. I don't want to be, you know, the, 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 there's no incentive for me to do that. Yeah. And then the managers, the executives, the company, they sit back and they, they wonder why the company, you know, that employee leaves three months later. Right. And why they have this revolving door of turnover. Yeah. And then they go, it's so hard to find good talent these days, <laughs> you know, dang right. millennials and the stereotypes and everything else. And that, that gap is how I created a, a business that we've been running for the last five years. And it's called the Undercover Millennial Program. It's kind of like Undercover Boss without yeah. the makeup. Man. And I go in as a millennial, as someone who's looking for a job. And a company will hire me. I go in and I just walk up to the first employee I see and I go, hey, I'm just thinking about working here. I've heard about a few openings. What's it like? Wow. And they tell me everything. Amazing. Because I'm not a survey, right? Right. I'm not a, I'm not a one-on-one management meeting. Yeah. No, I'm just another millennial. And there's no barrier there. We've created an environment where they can speak their truth. And I have worked with 181 organizations and I've interviewed over 10,000 employees under a cover. Wow. wow. And we have created what I believe is the most real and authentic data behind how great leaders were creating organizations their people never wanted to leave. Wow. And that, Jeff, really is the magic because the cool part about all of the research was not when an employee was dissatisfied with their job. The cool part about the research is when I would walk up to an employee and say, what's it like to work here? Mm -hmm. And they would respond with, I love it here. Yeah. I, I love my job. I, my manager, Susie, oh, you've got to meet Susie. Our yeah. company, like we're a family here. Dude. I will never leave. And then yeah. with that would trend in an organization from people after person, after employee, after team member, and to see how those leaders were creating that type of a culture. That's and amazing. that's why we, uh, that's why we titled the book. I love it here. Fitting. 
Very yeah. fitting. Yeah. You know so. what's so amazing about that? I spent uh, over two decades in corporate America. And, you know, not just the company I was at, most large companies will put out the, you know, engagement surveys and so on and so on. And I would yep. challenge anybody that's doing those, be very honest doing them. But what I feel like is that uh, even though you do those and you should, I feel like people, when they fill them out, they're not completely honest all the time because oh, I feel like the, 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 it's, there's still access to it and I can't be fully transparent. What you've done is broken all of these barriers literally to get face to face with somebody. It's not being recorded. It's not written. I'm just having a coffee chat with somebody and getting it real. And after four or five years of this research and, you know, 10,000 interviews of employees doing this, uh, you've compiled all of this and you've created a book. Now, I know that uh, in, in listening to some of the research that you have found, which I've already incorporated into my business as well, some of those findings, and uh, maybe we can talk more about that, Clint. But I know that one of the things that you're very passionate about that you talk about, not only through your own life, but also through the research that you've done, you talk at length uh, about how leaders create moments of significance as well as the impact that your school teacher, Mr. Jensen, had on you. And I'm sure there's uh, some dotted lines from your research to what you experienced in your own life and uh, with Mr. Jensen. So how do, how do uh, maybe through research or your own experience with Mr. Jensen, how do leaders create moments of significance? Tell us maybe the story of Mr. Jensen, that teacher that changed your life uh, through a pair of drumsticks. Yeah. When I would go undercover into an organization, no employee ever talked about, man, I work here because my, my manager just knows how to run a meeting. <laughs> no, no one, no one worked here because, oh man, we just, my, our leadership, they're, they're so good at time management. Oh, we've got such a great vision for the company. Like nobody said that. What they talked about were the, the moments. They talked about moments where managers got to the part about them. Mm. <clears throat> I think that's an important message before I tell this story. Because every employee is asking you as a company, or as an owner, as, a, as an executive, as a manager, they are asking you, let me know when it gets to the part about me. Hmm. And some people hear that and they go, you know, those entitled little shining stars in yeah. my life, right? Like, let me know when it gets to the part about me. I'm so tired of this entitlement mentality. And it's not about entitlement. It's about good business. It's about bringing humanity back into the workplace. Yeah. And if you don't, then then have fun being a solo entrepreneur or, right. or be okay with the revolving door of turnover. Yeah. Because everybody is asking the question, let me know when it gets to the part about me. Hmm. And I, I was the kid in school, Jeff, that I had a hard time sitting still. I still have a hard time sitting still. I would tap. I would just move. I, it was constantly a disruption. And obviously that's an issue if you're in a classroom setting and someone's clicking their pen or they're tapping their foot and you're like, do it one more time and something bad's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I had a teacher one day that told me to stay after class. And he told me that as I was tapping and I'm thinking to myself, I'm getting kicked out of school as a 10 year old. Mm -hmm. And the class ring, the bell rings, everybody leaves. And it's just me and Mr. Jensen. And he pulls me to the back of the room and he sits me down and he says, listen, he said, kid, Clint, you're kind of on the list, man. Like you're, you're the problem kid. All the teachers talk about you. You tap in my class, you tap in everybody else's class. I know you get nicknamed, you get bullied because you just can't sit still. But he said, but I've watched you though. 
I've taken a moment. I just, I sit back <clears throat> and I'll watch as you're doing your, your assignment. You'll start writing with your right hand. <clears throat> and then you literally can switch the pen and you start writing with your left hand. And wow. then you'll tap with your right hand. He, he looked at me and he said, yeah, I think you're ambidextrous. Hmm. And I was like, no, I'm Presbyterian. He's like, no, <laughs> like, that's not what it means. <clears throat> he said, no, no. That, he said, can you tap your head and rub your belly? And I was like, yeah, I can tap my head and, and rub my belly. And then he said, okay, then can you rub your head and then tap your belly? And literally back and forth without thinking about it. Hmm. I can do it. Wow. And he sat back and he smiled and he looked at me and he said, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. Wow. Wow. And I, I believe in the power of moments, Jeff. Uh, you, you know that. We've talked about that. Sure. Moments matter. Sure. And when you can design a moment in the lives of your people, an experience, something that's not the routine, something that they, because of you and who you are, and you created something that advocated for them, you created something that sparked possibility. That stuff matters to people. Sure does. And in that moment, Mr. Jensen, the old teacher, he leaned back in his desk and he opened up the top drawer and he reached inside and he took out my very first pair of drumsticks. Hmm. And he put them in my hands and he said, Clint, I want you to keep them in your hands as much as you can. And that was wow. 22 years ago. And for 22 years, I've had the opportunity to tour and record all over the world as a professional drummer. Wow. And literally transformed my life. Wow. And he took a problem and created an opportunity. And uh, wow. all from designing a moment, a single moment in time that changed my life. That's amazing. Now, had you ever drummed, thought of drumming anything before Mr. Jensen? Nope. Wow. Never. You Never. know, what's funny is I tagged Clint in a post recently around this subject of you need to know your employees' hidden talents. And it was a funny post. Some of you listening may have seen it where I'm playing a cowbell uh, I, and I'm not, I am not Clint Pulver. I don't have great rhythm, anything <laughs> like that, but I did kill, kill the cowbell. In you did. That little you killed segment, it. it was awesome. Right? So, yeah. You nailed it. But I, I copied, uh, I tagged Clint in the, in the post because I talked about uncovering hidden talents and I did, the, I, I, I don't want to say I'm a Mr. Jensen by any stretch, but I would do this with my team, uh, you know, pretty large org chart. And twice a year, I'd go around and I would do individual development plans. And there was a section there that talked about who they were personally and what skills do they have that I would never know about. And yeah. we're in a corporate setting. We're all in sales. And mm -hmm. I'd have people telling me about woodworking skills. And I had this one guy that told me he was a great rapper. And I'm like, whoa. Like, so I commissioned him to do a rap for our, our launch meeting. And he sends this thing to me. And I was like, wow. This is so good. And that thing went viral, of course, within the company and all this stuff. And he's not, he's making music. He's on Spotify now, all this other stuff. And it's such a great point about creating moments of significance. And you literally have played with some of the best. And uh, I know you're humble, but literally when he says he's played around the country, he's played for some big name people. You can just YouTube Clint Pulver and nothing else needs to be said. He's an amazing talent. But doesn't it beg the question of no, Mr. Jensen, no drumsticks. Amen. That's Amen. amazing. So thinking about that, Clint, you talk a lot uh, in your research about there's multiple different types of management styles and different types of managers. You specifically identify four that your research discovered. 
who are these managers and what, what is your advice to these different types uh, that you've identified? Yeah, when an employee hated their job, they talked about the manager. When an employee loved their job, they talked about the mentor. Hmm. A really interesting piece that we found in the research is that it wasn't necessarily what we would deem traditional leadership to be the significant thing, or even management for that matter. There's three categories in, in my mind. You have traditional leadership, you're the, you're the executive, you're at the front and you're, you, you, you are showing everybody the direction that we're taking the ship. Where do we need to go? What's the vision? You're the leader and you're a leader of people follow you, right? How do we get from point A to point B to point C? You're the leader, the visionary person. Then there's the manager and the manager is there to make sure there's no leaks on the ship. Make sure that that ship is efficient, that that ship can move through the water. And then there's the mentor. And the mentor is the person who's taking care of the people on the ship. Hmm. They are the advocate, not just the developer. Mentorship could not be given as a title. Like you, you don't really like, that's not like a, a massive position that we would call a corporate leadership thing. Like you're the mentor, you're the mentor. We're hiring mentors. It doesn't work that way. Mentorship must be earned. And the most powerful version of leadership is when it's voluntary, voluntary, when people are choosing to connect to you. And that's why the mentor was so significant. It was because of who the mentor was that that employee said, "Mm, you are the person that will connect me to my dreams. Wow. You are the person that I like myself best with. And they voluntarily chose to follow them. It increased the highest amount of engagement, loyalty, and influence. Now, becoming the mentor manager is not something that happens overnight. And there's four types of managers that we found in every organization. Every company has these people. And there's two variables that I need to to illustrate before we talk about the four managers. Because if an employee was satisfied or dissatisfied with their job, I could always narrow it down to two things. The standards of that manager and the connection of that manager or the lack thereof. So standards is like, Productivity, development, showing up on time. You need to do this. These are the the tasks that need to be completed. We need to grow as a company. I've got standards as a manager. The connection piece is empathy, care, advocacy, getting to the part about you as a person, understanding you have a life outside of work. Mm -hmm. So those two variables. So number one, the first manager is the removed manager. This is the manager that's low on standards and they were low on connection. Hmm. They're burnt out. They're tired. They should have stopped managing 20 years ago. So what does this create in the workforce? Disengagement. Why should I show up on time? My manager could care less. Right. Why should I stay late? My manager doesn't even value me as a person. There's, there's, there's no connection. There's no standards. You have a disengaged workforce. The second manager is what we call the buddy manager. Mm. This is the manager that's really high on connection, but they're low on standards. Mm-hmm. This is that manager that wants to be liked more than they're respected. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want to ruffle feathers. They want everybody to love them. They want to be homie with, with the employees. Right. This is the manager, no joke, Jeff, they would go and play Xbox on the weekends with their people. Uh-oh. And then on Monday when they had to like drop the hammer and talk about quotas, people are like, whoa, dude, Rick, <laughs> yeah, come on, man. You're, you're a friend. You're not, you're not the boss. Right. It never worked. And that's where the employee almost became more of the boss than the boss did. Mm-hmm. So it created entitlement. Yeah. Number three, number three that unfortunately is the most common, and it's what we call the controller. Mm-mm. 
This is the manager that's high on standards, low on connection. That old command and control model of management. Put your head down, go to work. Don't whine. Don't, big, don't big complain stick. to me. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how we used to do this 20 years ago? Just be glad you have a job. Yeah. I show you that I love you because I give you a paycheck. Right on, right on. And what does that create? Rebellion. Yeah. Pushback. All you care about are the numbers. All you care about is productivity. You, you care less about the struggles I'm going through as a person or what's going on at home. All you care about is that I grow 10% than I did last week. Toe-to-toe. Hmm. -to -toe. They want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with everybody instead of shoulder-to-shoulder. -shoulder. And then that leads us to number four, and that is the mentor-manager. They were high on standards as much as they were high on their ability to connect. What did this create? Respect. This, this is where you became that significant person that, yes, you, you have standards. Yes, there is a job that needs to be done, but you understand that there's a person behind that that needs to be loved. No significant loyalty will ever happen without significant connection, Jeff. Well said. You know well said, but Clint. Well said. And, you know, I, as you're saying that, you know, I think of the controller, right? And we've all had them. And the controller is the you know, why we, why I think sometimes we gravitate towards that Clint as leaders is we could be insecure and we go that way because controllers can get results mm -hmm. and, you know, Absolutely. they'll get compliance, but as soon as you walk out of the room, they're out. The Amen. man, the mentor manager, as you're calling it, gets engagement. Correct. And I always say there's a big difference between uh, having to work for a boss and having a boss that you don't want to let down. Those yeah. are those are worlds apart. Big time. And we want to be leaders that people say, I just don't want to let Clint down. You know, that guy's made deposits, big deposits, big withdrawals. And this mentorship thing is, is beautifully stated, Clint. And I know there's listeners out there right now that are saying, okay, I am the buddy. I am the controller. And I have clients that are buddy leaders. And I tell them, friendly, not friends. There's yes. a difference. There's a line. Now, yes. we have all four types of leaders listening, uh, all four types of managers listening right now. And they're saying, okay, I got to get to this mentor manager. I got to get to that place. What do I do? How do I get there? What, what are the qualities of great mentorship that you would tell the leader that's listening right now that they need to be intentional after? Yes. So it's important to remember, again, that you cannot become a mentor until the mentee invites you into their heart. You might have the title of, as, the, as the supervisor, the executive. That does not mean you're a mentor. It must be earned. So there are five characteristics that every great leader possessed that became a mentor. And I call them the five C's of mentorship. When I would go into an organization, I would say, why do you work here? And they'd say, it's because of Susie. Mm. I were, I, honestly, it's, it's my boss, Susie. Susie. Why Susie? Why was Susie so significant. And it's because Susie possessed these five C's. Number one was confidence. Great mentors have the confident mindset that they have the ability to get you where you want to go. They have the ability and, and the confidence in themselves that they are competent in what they are teaching you. Mm. They have that self uh, reassurance and it's not an ego. It's just something that builds trust. I'm confident yeah. in the process. I'm confident that I can help you. I want to mentor with someone who is confident in who they are and that they can get me to where I want to go. Sure. Number two is credibility. I want to know your background. 
Okay, if you're the car, car, car dealership manager, have you ever sold a car before? I want to know that. What's your history? Where did you study? What's your background? I think more as lead, as leaders, we need to showcase these 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 credibility factors because it gives people a reason to listen. What's your history? Number two, or excuse me, number three is competence. Hmm. Competence is the ability to become a practitioner, not just a theorist. You might know everything about the game of basketball, but can you get out and actually shoot a hoop? That's right. Are you the manager that sits back and just barks orders from the back office? Hmm. Or are you someone that can actually get on the telling machine and, 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 and run the show? Do, do you have the competent level where you can actually perform the thing that you're teaching? Hmm. Competency matters. And then the, the, the fourth C is candor. Great mentors, Jeff, had the ability to create relationships so strong that honesty could exist. Well said. I, I want to mentor with someone who's going to give it to me straight. Yeah. And when you could build that relationship, like you talked about the deposits of trust, right? We're making the deposits of trust so that we can make the withdrawals. We've created that relationship where I can have a candid conversation with you because you know I care. And that is the last C, the ability to care. The moment we stop caring for people is the moment we fail as a mentor. Hmm. Great mentors always care about the individual. And I found this a lot in management. And there's managers that unfortunately should not be managers. They get promoted because the company had no idea what else to do with them. They were a great salesperson or they were a great employee. Let's just promote you into management. And, and, and you would almost get this sense of ego where people didn't want to advocate for others because they were afraid that that employee would pass them up right. or, or would, would, would demantle them from their position. That's, you should not be a mentor or a manager if that is your mentality. Your goal is to care, to advocate, to grow people, to, to connect them to their dreams. So those five C's, Jeff, confidence, competence, credibility, candor, and the ability to care. If you do not have those things, you are not a mentor. But if you do, you can yield loyalty. That is a beautiful thing. Man, you talk about getting people that don't want to let you down. Those five things, yes. which it sounds good in a uh, podcast interview or in a keynote. And you have that leader saying, great, I'm going to go do those. Look, it, it comes with effort. It comes with work to have confidence and credibility and competence means you got to be consuming. You got to get around the right people. Uh, you know, I talk about the four camps. If, if camp four is if it doesn't come up, I'm bringing it up. The only way you get there is to have something you can't get, give what you don't have. So we have to consume so that we can have those three C's, yes. first three C's. And those second two C's, Clint, I think where people fall away is they go one way or the other. It's this or that. You know, if I'm too caring, I'm going to be deemed fluffy. If I have too much candor, I'm going to be deemed a jerk. Here's the reality. If you're all candor and no care, you are a jerk. But yep. if you make good deposits, you can make good withdrawals. That's you know, right. it's like having kids. You have two, two children. You know, if you ever have to discipline a kid, they're out playing in the, a busy road. No one's going to allow for that. And yep. you say, hey, get, get out of the road. They're not like, he doesn't love me anymore. This guy's a jerk. No, you made so many deposits that even if they don't like what they're hearing from you, they still yeah. know you care. And they're seeking that feedback. And yep. I, I love that. The five C's of mentorship. Very, very well said. Now, I know that um, you talk a lot about loyalty. Um, mm -hmm. And really, that's the heart of the book is why do people stay? And, you know, why is it that people stay? What is some of the keys to building this kind of loyalty 
that lasts within an organization. Because one of the things that I think is a risk is that you have this one-off great leader and they're, they're a tremendous leader and they're doing all the things that I love it here, the book says to do, but then they leave the organization and everybody goes with them. And so I got to believe that it's important to build a culture of yes. loyalty. What are some of those key things that if I'm a leader now, I'm scaling my business where I have a big org chart, what are, what are some of the key principles in building loyalty that lasts, that's organic throughout an organization? What do we do? Yeah, instead of almost creating a culture of loyalty, it's about creating a culture of possibility. Hmm. Possibility. If, if I can't grow in your organization, <clears throat> I'm going to go grow somewhere else over time, right? And there's the there's this idea of, okay, well, what if I have an employee that's tapped out, right? And like I worked in a lot of medical clinics and they're a nurse or they're a hygienist. And the only way to really promote somebody is to make them an office manager or to you know, put them in a lateral position to be a team lead. Like there's just, there's a ceiling there, but it's not just growing people to promote them. It's also growing them as individuals, growing people, not just employees. Like for example, we had one clinic that they, they subscribed to Dave Ramsey's financial peace university. Sure. And they, everybody had that opportunity to like, Hey, we're going to help you get out of debt. We're going to help you pay off your home. We're going to help grow you in a different world. We're going to, we, we provide marriage counseling. We provide parenting classes. We grow people, not just employees. Mm. So growth is important. An employee needs to have the ability to understand that they have potential in your company. You talked about an individual plan that you have with your employees, a growth development plan, right? Mm -hmm. What matters to them? What's a dream? What's something that they can strive for? And then what can they do as an employee to do that, to make that happen? And then what can you do as the leader to support them in that? And then when's the follow-up date? Every, every, every employee deserves to have one of those growth development plans, an opportunity to grow into something that's worth growing into that matters to them. The second piece is worth, recognition. Every employee wants to be seen, heard, and understood. We found in our research that there were five things that employees would always talk about when it came to recognition. Uh, because again, they want to be seen, right? If you're putting in the time and the worth, there's there's something about you know a little bit of praise, a little bit right. of recognition towards their efforts. Sure. Number one, the number one most asked for thing, and the thing that was lacking the most was vocal praise. Wow, vocal praise was the number one thing that employees talked about. And it was free. also the number one thing, and it's free. It is free, Jeff. It costs zero dollars. Right on. But that a boy, is that a girl? I appreciate you, what you're doing. I saw what you did last month. Keep it up. How are you doing? I, I, you know, we love what you bring to the office. Vocal praise. Number two was experiences, surprisingly. Things like, you know, my boss just knows me and my wife. We love a good baseball game. And I hit my numbers last month and he got me and my wife box seats and we, we went to the game. He just hooked us up with a cool experience. Yeah. That was individualized. It was, it was personal. There is no one size fits all approach to all of this. Right. And I think the more individual you can make your approaches of recognition, the more powerful they become, yeah. the more, uh, the more able they become moments to, to become a moment. Uh, so experiences matter. You know, we go ax throwing, uh, you know, they brought in a, a, a massage person and we all got massages one day. It was just really cool. Hmm. Uh, experiences matter. Uh, time off and flexibility was number three. The ability to, you know, hey, Johnny, you're, you're killing it. I know you love to go fishing. Take every day off at four o'clock. Get out of here. That's my way to show you that I appreciate who you are. Go fish. Go be with your family. Time off flexibility. Uh, number four was pay, money. 
money actually mattered, right? An increase in pay is a great way to recognize somebody. An Amazon gift card, a little financial appreciation. Uh, the next one was food, like Taco Tuesdays, bringing, bringing pizza in and something that everybody loves, a local oh, yeah. fast food joint that everybody loves some good Big. food. Bring some food in. And then the last one was was trophies and awards. Hmm. Yeah. I think like, uh, you know, the Letterman's jacket, yeah. right? What's that, what's that thing that you can create in the company that means something? Yeah. Create the, the Emmy Award. Create the Oscar. Sure. Something that you can give, you know, the Rookie of the Year that people will treasure for a long time. That's a great way to recognize people. Again, it should all be personalized. Yeah. So those are some great starting points. The last thing I will say, Jeff, that I think is, is critical here, I think as managers, sometimes we, we stand in front of a fireplace and we kind of have this mentality of give me heat, then I'll give you wood. Right. right. Give me the, give me the results and then, then I'll connect. Then we'll yeah. talk about recognition. Yeah. Then we'll talk about your future. You got to prove yourself first. And again, if we can flip that script and we can stop telling people, there's this age old adage of, you've heard this story. If you feed a man a fish, then you feed him for a day. Right. But if you can teach him to fish, oh, then you feed that man for a lifetime. Right on. Every time I hear that, I, I say to myself, who said the guy wanted a fish? Valid. Who said the guy wanted a fish? I'm kind of, I'm a steak guy. I, I'd rather a steak. The, the point I'm making is, is we need to ask our people. Yeah. What do you need? What do you want? What are you looking for? And we, we, it, it is crazy to me, Jeff, how many people just don't ask. It's true. It's true. Especially the point you made about experiences you could create the most amazing experience. And if it doesn't matter to the employee, it means nothing. I remember Clint, um, I grew up in pretty humble beginnings and I was always really into like building tree houses and whatnot. And I would just try to grab scrap wood from local farms and whatever, and try to build these like podunk tree houses. And, you know, now I'm a dad, you know, I'm a little more well off than my parents were. And I'm like, I'm going to build the tree house of all tree houses. Yeah, cool. And this thing is literally like an apartment in in the woods. And I'm building this thing. I'm excited. My buddy's helping me. And we get this thing built. And my kids didn't really care for it. Didn't really spend much time in it. I was devastated. I'm like, how is this possible? Like I would literally spend nights in this tree house myself. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my wife told me at one point, she was like, you built this tree house for you, not yeah. them. Did they tell you they wanted a tree house? Did yeah. anybody mention it? Yeah. Now, look, Clint, if you see this tree house, you'd be like, who wouldn't want it? The yeah. answer, my kids. Yeah. So I think it, you know, it goes It'll to show fun. we got to know our people. You yeah. know, just because you like uh, Snickers doesn't mean you're putting it on the fish hook in the lake. They like worms. Yeah. And so we got to know. And I think it's a great point. And those deposits and recognition that you mentioned, I think they're absolutely spot on. Before we wrap up, Clint, tell me one thing that I I wanted to hear your perspective on when you came to, and we talked about this with the cowbell, the secret powers hidden in employees. How do you go about uncovering these and how can leaders maximize this uh, point that you make? Yeah. So I think those two, those two secret powers are really, it's potential and worth, right? How do we tap in to allowing them to understand that there's possibility here? There's growth. You can become what you want to become and I will help you get there. Mm -hmm. Second, I see you. I see what you're doing. I see your efforts and I I consistently recognize that. The the, The coolest part about leadership is that it matters. The hardest part about leadership is that it matters every day. 
And I, I, anybody that is listening to this right now, as we are coming out of this pandemic, we have done research, undercover research during COVID-19. We worked with 47 organizations undercover during the chaos. And I saw some pretty horrific things happen with leadership. And when, you know, crap hit the fan, how they just completely forgot about people. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I think every leader needs to know that, and I'm calling it right now, and you mentioned it beforehand, as we come into quarter three and quarter four of 2021, we will see a massive job churn, Agreed. an exodus of people that will be leaving. Why? Mm-hmm. For two reasons. Number one, they remember how you treated them during the pandemic. Retention rates were all-time high in 2020 because everybody was nervous. Everybody was scared. Everybody was glad they had a job. They hunkered down. They hold. They held onto their job. Now, as we're coming out of that, they remember how you treated them. And second, they've been given time to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of jobs don't look the same as they did in 2019. And that's the truth. People realize, oh my gosh, I can work in Texas and I can, I can, I can live in New York. I can, right. I can live in Texas and work in New York and make twice as much. Right. The, the, the market is changing. The economy is changing. And I think it's good. I think it's a good thing because it's, 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 it's forcing management. It's forcing business owners to get creative. It's forcing them to connect more. But I, I, would, I would advocate right now, if you have your, your A-listers, your A-team, your best employees, the people that you couldn't lose, if they left tomorrow, you'd be in a hard spot. Right. Every one of them right now deserves what I call a status interview. It's not a stay interview. It's not an exit interview. It's not a one-on-one management meeting. This is not a performance review. It is a status interview. I came from the medical field, Jeff, and, and I worked in the, in the operating room. And one thing that the doctor would always call out a lot is what's the status of the patient? I need a status update. Give me a status check. And what they're really asking is let me know what the vitals are. What's yeah. the vitals of the patient? We all have our blood, our blood pressure, heart rate, body temperature, heart rate, respiratory rate. All of those vital signs are what keep us alive. Your people have vital signs too. The organization is a living, breathing entity. And so what we would do in the OR is we would look at the vitals and the vitals determine treatment. And then after you treat the patient, you recheck the vitals Yeah. and then you treat again. And we would do that until healthy stability is maintained long-term. We have come out of a crisis and a lot of companies are struggling on that healthy stability. And we're trying to regain that. So every employee, every good employee that you have deserves to be asked three questions. And this is a status check. This will allow you to understand the vitals of your people so that you can treat them better because it needs to happen right now as we're going into quarter three and quarter four if you want to retain those people. The status interview needs to start with vocal praise. You're bringing somebody into your office. It could be casual too. You could be out to lunch. You could be on a walk. You could be over over Zoom. And you just start with vocal praise with that key employee. John, I appreciate who you are, what you've done. You've helped us through this pandemic. Uh, you're invaluable to the company. We need you and you've, you, your efforts matter. Mm-hmm. And then you ask the first question, what can I do to keep you here? Good one. That's it. What can I do to keep you here? You know, is it, you know, do we need to, to talk about pay? Do we need to talk about your schedule, flexibility? Do we need to talk, uh, what is it? And some people are afraid to ask that because they're like, well, what if they ask for 20% increase in pay and they want ski passes and, and more beanbag chairs and ping pong tables in the office. And I can't do that. <laughs> right. Look for another option. 
if they can't, if you can't do what they're asking for, say, is there something else? Better to is there that. something else that we can do? I might not be able to increase your pay, but I can help you on your schedule, right? And if if you can't come to resolve, if they're like, nah, it's, it's money for me, at least you asked. Mm-hmm. At least you asked. Be honest in that conversation. Ask what you can do to keep them there. Number two is what's getting in the way of your success in this organization. Is it upper management? Is it Susan and accounting? Is it the schedule? Is it the pay? What's like getting that. in the way? That's because good. again, your job is to become the advocate to block right. for your people. Yeah. And, and that third question, the third question is, what can I do to help you get there? Hmm. Beautiful. That's it. It's, it's a very simple thing, Jeff, but I, it's surprising. It sounds like something a mentor would ask. Exactly. Right? Exactly. This is profound. And, and look, if you're the leader that's listening and saying, that's not my style, that's just not who I am, suit yourself. This yeah. is four or five years of research, over 10,000 employees, you know, to drill into some of these, this proven methodology of, and look, these aren't things that it's like, well, that's not who I am. That's not how I was born. These are learned things. This is intentional leadership. And I highly recommend that you uh, listen back to this podcast, but also get the book, everybody, The Undercover Millennial, Clint Pulver. Clint, how do people uh, get a copy of the book release? I love it here. I believe that's coming out April 13th, I believe is what I heard. How, tell us, uh, confirm the, the release date. How do people go get the book? How do we learn more about you? Yeah, so the book uh, releases April 13th. You can pre-order the book right now on Amazon. So just go on Amazon, type in I love it here, and uh, it'll release April 13th uh, globally. And uh, and then ch- check out the website. Happy to connect with anybody, clintpulver.com. There you go. So listen, everybody, make sure that you subscribe to the show notes as well. We'll put links to all of Clint's stuff in there to give you easy access. Clint, I appreciate you investing time to be on the Champion Forum podcast and on behalf of Champion Nation. We appreciate the work that you're doing out there to make every leader better and help those that we lead reach their fullest potential. We wish you all the best on the book launch. Listener, make sure that you go get the show notes so that you can review this. There'll be some application activities in the show notes as well, as well as links to how you can connect with Clint. You can get those by going to jeffhancher.com forward slash show notes. And until next time, never forget it. You all have been set up to be champions in this life. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead. Inspire. Win. Win.